Good morning, Gospel Fellowship. God is good. God is good. And all the time. And all the time. Amen. God be all the glory this day and every day. Um, good morning for those who don't know me. My name is Naomi Ippolite. I am an elder here at Gospel Fellowship. Um, Minister Rodney is taking some time off, um, and I will be bringing the word um, in his place. Um, yeah, so <laughs> amen to that. Amen. Um, let us stand as we jump into our text this morning. Um, this morning we'll actually be starting a new series um, called, titled, The Summer in the Psalms. Um, and we'll be reading Psalms 136. Now, we're going to try something different um, this morning. Um, if you're familiar with the text, there is a line that is repeated um, throughout the entire text, which reads, for his steadfast love endures forever. So I'm going to ask that you guys read that line throughout the entire chapter. I'll read the first line. And just as an example, verse 1 says, give thanks to the Lord for he is good. And I'm going to ask the congregation to read the second part that says, for his steadfast love endures forever. Amen? You guys okay with that? Okay, let's jump right in. Psalms 136. Give thanks to the Lord for he is good. Give thanks to the God of gods. Give thanks to the Lord of Lords, to him who alone does great wonders, to him who by understanding made the heavens, to him who spread out the earth above the waters, to him who made the great lights, the sun to rule over the day, the moon and stars to rule over the night. To him who struck down the firstborn of Egypt and brought Israel out from among them with a strong hand and an outstretched arm. To him who divided the Red Sea in two and made Israel pass through the midst of it but overthrew Pharaoh and his hosts in the Red Sea. To him who led his people through the wilderness. To him who struck down great kings and killed mighty kings. Sion, king of the Amorites, and Og, king of Bashan and gave their land as a heritage, a heritage to Israel, his servant. It is he who remembered us in our lowest state and rescued us from our foes. He who gives food to all flesh. Give thanks to the God of heaven. Give thanks to the God of heaven. Give thanks to the God of heaven, GF. Amen. Let us bow our heads for prayer. 
Lord God, we thank you for your love, we thank you for your grace, and we thank you for your steadfast love, Lord God, which endures forever and ever, Lord God, from infinity to infinity. You are God and you are great. And we just thank you for allowing us to be here this morning. We ask, Lord God, that you would prepare our hearts, Father God, to receive that which you have for us this morning and help us, give us ears to hear and eyes to see, Father God, and may the truth of God reign within our lives. We need you, Lord Jesus. We love you. We ask that you would be with us in Jesus Christ's mighty name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. So this morning, I would like to discuss um, three points within our text. Um, The first point is the love of God. The second point is God in creation. And the third point is God in history. And I'm going to conclude with God in the present. So the love of God, God in creation, and God in history. Now, I remember being in high school during my senior year, um, trying to figure out what school I wanted to go to, what college, whether I was going to be in-state or out-of-state, community college, or what have you. Um, But early in my college career, I had set my sights on going to college. And being the first in my family to go to college, my older brother ended up going to the military. So I was trying to figure out, okay, what do I need to do? I was reading articles, talking to guidance counselors, making sure, okay, am I on the right path? Do I have the right grades? Do, am I doing what I need to do? So senior year showed up, and I began looking at applications left and right, and most of the applications were asking for letters of recommendation. So I asked a couple of my teachers and my youth pastor at the time, I was like, I requested them, hey, could you give me a letter of recommendation trying to fill out this application to go to college? So with that being the case, um, several of them asked to provide them with a list of things that I've done, accomplishments, your extracurricular activities, um, so that way they can include that information in the letter of recommendation to just add support, you know, your accomplishments, volunteer, um, whether you played sports or whatever the case might be. But there was one teacher specifically, um, an English teacher, I actually had him for two years, English three and English four. I asked him to write me a letter of recommendation, but he didn't ask for the extra stuff. He didn't ask for the extracurricular stuff, and I'm like, so how in the world is he going to write this letter of recommendation? Um, He doesn't, he didn't ask for any of the information that everybody else was asking for, so. Now, I don't believe that I was, that I had the chance to follow up with him to ask him, okay, what's the deal, or why didn't you ask for the specific information? But what I concluded is that my time in his class and our interaction interactions, assignments, um, conversations that I've had with this teacher, he was able to learn enough about me in our time together to where he didn't need any additional information to write a letter of recommendation. So I found that to be interesting because it makes him quite personable, which he was a very personable person. And if you ask me if there was any teacher that helped prep me, for college, I would, I would say it was him. So thinking about that and now looking at our text, the psalmist is writing, in some sense, a letter of recommendation about the God of heaven. 
the psalmist is carefully reflecting and in some sense recommend, recommending others to come and see, similar to our last series, or we could say to come and reflect on what God has done and is doing for his people, Israel. Now, just so that we know, the book of Psalms is known by the Hebrews as the Hallel. Now, Hallel, which means praise or a litany of praise, so thus the book of Psalms could be considered the book of praises. Now, if we take a cursory glance throughout the Psalms, um, you begin to understand why that's the case, because it is filled with poems on a variety of topics, some happy and sad, and it's filled with emotion. And each poem has its own literary structure and can be analyzed for form and content. Form and content. Now, the Psalms serve as a hymn book for the Jewish people in their worship. And like any hymn book or any song um, that's written, the focus of the Psalms is not on us. It's really not on the people either. But truly, it's all about God. So going, diving into our first point, the love of God, and getting back into the first, uh, first couple of verses of the text, verses 1 through 3, which read, Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. Give thanks to the God of gods, for his steadfast love endures forever. Give thanks to the Lord of lords, for his steadfast love endures forever. The psalmist opens up with a call to praise. But what exactly is praise? So praise is our response to God's revelation of himself, an acknowledgement of his character and his acts. It is also an expression of our delight in God himself, our expression of the love we feel as we consider how great God truly is. So as we look at the text, the psalmist is saying throughout the text, let's give thanks. He's saying, family, come, let's give thanks. This is a clear invitation, invitation to look at how God has revealed himself to us. Now, in the same way that we invite everyone to worship, as we did this morning, to experience God and who God is. Now, he doesn't just say, oh, give thanks, but he gives us a reason why. Now, why would that be important? Now, have you ever been in a circumstance where somebody asks you to do something? And you're like, okay, why are you asking me to do this? Um, for what reason? What purpose? Um, choose somebody else, please. You know, and it's like, but in this invitation to give thanks, here the psalmist, he gives us a clear reason. He says, for he is good. Now, truly the psalmist didn't, have to give us a reason, but here he does. And he really doesn't have to give us more than that, because truly, God is not only just, but he's capable, he's alive, and truly he is good, because his goodness truly is what draws us to him. His goodness leads us to repentance, according to Romans 2.4, and the fact that we are alive and have a heartbeat testifies of the goodness of God. We are all created in the Imago Dei, or the image of God, and we are a clear reflection of his likeness in our capacity to love and feel. But there's more. Not only is our God good, but his steadfast love endures forever. Now, 
Depending on what Bible translation you may have, the term steadfast love is actually, it is translated differently. Um, this is the ESV, it says steadfast love, but if you have the KGV, um, it says mercy. Some translations say loyal love or faithful love. But the common theme, even if you look across the various translations, the common theme is a steadfast love, loyal love, faithful love, is a love that doesn't change due to circumstance and feelings, but a love that endures through and through. So the call to praise is not to anyone, but it's to a good God whose mercy or steadfast love goes beyond the human capacity for love. And truly, I'm reminded, as I look at the text, I'm reminded of marriage in some ways, because normally at the end of every wedding vow, you have the term, until death do us part. But thankfully, we have a God whose love endures forever and goes beyond the grave. Jumping into our second point, God in creation, looking at verses 4, th four through 9, it reads, to him who alone does great wonders, for his steadfast love endures forever. To him who by understanding made the heavens, for his steadfast love endures forever. To him who spread out the earth above the waters, for his steadfast love endures forever. To him who made the great lights, for his steadfast love endures forever. The sun to rule over the day, for his steadfast love endures forever. The moon and stars to rule over the night, for his steadfast love endures forever. I could imagine that as the psalmist is writing this, he's probably outside in, in some field, sitting under a tree or something, and he's probably taking nature in as he's writing this poem, looking at the heavens, looking at the birds, looking at the stars, and Throughout this week, I found myself being more in tuned um, just to, to listening to birds as they chirp throughout the day. Um, normally, when I take my three-year-old daughter to um, daycare, I normally ask her, do, do you hear the birdies? And she would be like, yes, I hear the birdies. And I would normally say, the birdies are saying hello. And she would normally respond, hi, birdies. <laughs> and of course, we can't see them because they're on the treetops, but their presence is evident as they chirp throughout the day. What's interesting is there's normally this type of awe and excitement that comes over her. She's only three. When she sees animals in nature, whether it's a rabbit or whatever the case might be, she's always, oh, there's a rabbit, you know, trying to get close and wanting to pet it, of course. So I could picture the psalmist considering creation and being in awe of God, of all that God has made. The heavens we see, but we can't touch. The ocean waters and their invisible limits put in place by God so that we can enjoy them and not be consumed by them. The great lights in the heavens, which give us the balance of day and night. So it's no wonder that Jesus welcomed children and use them as an example of what we must be like to enter the kingdom. In Matthew 18, verse 3, he states, Truly I say to you, 
Unless you turn and become like children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Now, in context, Matthew 18, Christ is teaching the disciples about humility. But, all, but of all the examples, like, why use a child? A child is solely dependent on its parents for the day-to-day necessities. This is a picture of faith, as simple, helpless, trusting dependence of those who have no resources of their own. And like a good father, God takes care of his children, and he takes us by the hand and he leads us by the still waters. He leads us in paths of righteousness for his name's sake, according to Psalm 23 that we read in our CBR journals yesterday. So similar to a child that is in awe as they see nature and the world around them, as believers we should continually be in awe with the goodness of God as we reflect on who he is and what he has done for us. There's a song um, by Hillsong that puts this in great perspective. And I'm, I'm going to read, I'm not going to sing. <laughs> I'm going to read the first verse and the refrain, and it reads, God of creation, there at the start, before the beginning of time, With no point of reference, you spoke to the dark and fleshed out the wonder of light. And as you speak, a hundred billion galaxies are born. In the vapor of your breath, the planets form. If the stars were made to worship, so will I. I can see your heart in everything you've made. Every burning star, a signal fire of grace. If creation sings your praises, so will I. So as we look to creation and the handiwork of God, let us be in awe of creation, but looking past creation and looking to the creator in worship. Amen? God in history, third point. Going back to the text, reading verses 10 through 22, it says, To him who struck down the firstborn of Egypt, for his steadfast love endures forever, and brought Israel out from among them, for his steadfast love endures forever, with a strong hand and an outstretched arm, for his steadfast love endures forever, to him who divided the Red Sea in two, for his steadfast love endures forever, and made Israel pass through the midst of it, for his steadfast love endures forever, but overthrew Pharaoh and his hosts in the Red Sea, for his steadfast love endures forever, to him who led his people through the wilderness, for his steadfast love endures forever, to him who struck down great kings, for his steadfast love endures forever, and killed mighty kings, for his steadfast love endures forever. Sion, king of the Amorites, for his steadfast love endures forever. And Og, king of Bashan, for his steadfast love endures forever. And gave their land as a heritage, for his steadfast love endures forever. A heritage to Israel, his servant, 
for his steadfast love endures forever. Now we see the psalmist, he's go, he goes from describing nature to describing history, stating facts after facts after facts of what God has done for the people of Israel. Now, even as I'm reading it, you guys are probably getting, me, getting tired of it. Get, you, you may get tired of the repetition in stating, for his steadfast love endures forever, but I believe the psalmist did this intentionally. Like, even the, if, let's just say for kicks, let's say if he went back and changed it, and rather than saying, in his steadfast love endures forever, said um, something like maybe the word amen, if you go back into the text, it fits just the same. To him who struck down the firstborn of Egypt, amen, and brought Israel out from among them, amen. He, he could switch it out. Now, amen is a word conveying a sense of certainty and truthfulness and faithfulness, so the word fits, but I would suggest that the psalmist is trying to help us see something more than just affirm that these things actually happened. He's trying to help us understand that every single event that has transpired in the lives of the Israelites up to this point is due to the mercies of God and the love of God and the goodness of God. This is who God is. I would encourage you to read Lamentations chapter 3 when you get home, but I'm going to read quickly a few verses. Lamentations 3 verses 22 through 24, it states, the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I will hope in him. If we go back to Psalms 136, we see the psalmist is looking to the past to give an account of what God has done. Now, why does the psalmist look to the past? Because today is a new day. Today is a new day. God's steadfast love for the present. There's enough for the past. There's enough for today. So definitely there's enough for the future. So there's plenty to go around. And if our God can deal with Pharaoh in Egypt and bring Israel out of slavery with a strong hand and an outstretched arm and split the Red Sea, so that his people could walk on dry land, he can handle anything that shows up today. God not only keeps his promises, but he keeps his word from generation to generation. Amen? Now, concluding with God in the present, looking at verse 23, the text continues, it is he who remembered us in our lowest state, for his steadfast love endures forever and rescued us from our foes, for his steadfast love endures forever. In verse 25, the psalmist transitions to the present. He who gives food to all flesh, for his steadfast love endures forever. This almost reminds me of um, Beatitudes, Matthew 6, 25, in which Jesus is saying, Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on, is not life more than food and the body more than clothing. The God of heaven with infinite mercy and grace will care for all of our needs. Past, present, and future. 
And then the psalm ends with a call back to the original praise. And he says, give thanks to the God of heaven for his steadfast love endures forever. Now the call of praise, I'm actually going to quote, there's another song out there, Elevation Worship. Title of the song is Hallelujah Here Below. I believe it captures this just beautifully. I'll read the first verse as well as part of the refrain. Listen to these words. It says, We are an altar of broken stones, but you delight in the offering. You have the heavens to call your home, but you abide in the song we sing. 10,000 angels surround your throne to bring you praise that will never cease. But hallelujah from here below is still your favorite melody. And then it goes on, it says, we sing hallelujah. As we sung earlier today, hallelujah, which means praise the Lord. The psalmist is just, he's trying to draw us in as we give thanks. He's saying, give thanks. This is what God has done. Let us look to creation. Let us look to history. Let us see the resume. Let us see the letter of recommendation. He's done this X, Y, Z, and the third. Let us give thanks. Let us give him praise. Hallelujah. And practically, the psalmist, he really, if we look at it closely, he gives us an outline of how to give thanks and praise the Lord throughout our days. First, we reflect on the love of God, which doesn't change. His mercy endures forever. His steadfast love, his loyal love, unchanging, no matter what the circumstances Secondly, we look at nature and to be in awe of God and who he is. You know, I challenge you as you go through your weeks to just try to see God in every part of creation. Let us be wide-eyed and mystified. Let us be just like a child, you know, staring at the beauty of our king. And lastly, you must experience God and know that he desires a relationship with you and with me. C.S. Lewis says, the Son of God became a man to enable men to become sons of God. Heads bowed, eyes closed. As we're talking about God's love that endures forever, some people here under the sound of my voice may be struggling just with the concept of God and just his love. And I would reiterate, as I mentioned earlier in my sermon, that we were created in the image of God. We are the Omago Day. So we have value. You have purpose. You have a purpose in life. Nobody's worthless. Nobody's useless useless, but you were made to give glory and honor to the creator. You have value, you have purpose, and God has a plan for your life. And if you find that it's just a challenge just to be able to give thanks, 
Now, the Bible says, if we confess with our mouths and believe with our heart that Jesus Christ is Lord, that we shall be saved. I'm going to ask the prayer team to come forward. And I would challenge everybody at the, at the sound of my voice just to, to reflect personally. A lot, a lot of times we hear a sermon and we're like, oh, if so-and-so was here, you know, it'd be a good word for them. But let us reflect internally. You know, let us be able to raise that hallelujah, to say that praise the Lord, to give thanks to the God of heaven for his mercies endureth forever. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, I pray that it would come upon our lives. And if you find yourself struggling with that and that you need prayer or you feel as if you want to take that next step, you want to be able to give God the praise without reluctance, without hesitation, without doubt, we have people in the front willing to pray with you and for you or through that. As we consider the goodness of God, the heartbeat of our souls, the blood that rushes through the highway of veins in your body, God has been good and his mercies endureth forever. If for any other reason that you desire, you need prayer, whether just need somebody to touch and agree or somebody to just pray for you. You've been struggling throughout this week. Feel free to come forward. For God is a good God and he desires a relationship with each and every one of you. He gives hope. He gives joy. He gives peace. He is the great I am. He is the good shepherd. He is the way, the truth, and the life. History declares the goodness of God. For those that are still at their seats, I ask that you would be praying in your hearts. I'm going to pray for us. Lord God, we thank you for your word, and we thank you for just who you are, Lord God. And we ask that you would continue to reveal yourself to us, Lord God. And as we look at creation, as we look at work, as we carry on throughout the week and throughout our day, help us to see your handiwork, Lord God every aspect of creation that we would see the goodness of God whether it's the birds chirping the highways and the byways that you've given men wisdom and understanding to create Lord God will we re reflect and see all of this as to your glory and for your glory Lord God for you are holy and you are worthy for the person struggling with identity Father God Help them to know, Father God, that they are deeply loved, Father God, and that they are fearfully and wonderfully made in the image of God. That you give hope, you give joy, and you give peace, Lord God, which transcends all understanding. Help us, Lord God, to receive who you are, 
to receive the love of God and that throughout this week that we would reflect and know that your mercies endureth forever. The love of God is unchanging, is unrelenting, and that you will constantly, constantly be here for us, Father God. No matter the trial, no matter the tribulation, and I tr challenge everybody at the sound of my voice to, throughout this week, think of this psalm, Psalm 136, and truly we can change some of the words and we can say, Lord, give me, Lord, you've blessed me with health. Your steadfast love endures forever. Lord, you've blessed my family. Your steadfast love endures forever. Lord, you've blessed me at my job. Your steadfast love endures forever. Let's make it personal and let us reflect on the goodness of God. And to God be all the glory. Amen. God bless you, Gospel Fellowship.